Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, that was good. Look at y'all. Wow. All right. So I'm Pastor Carl. That says it up there. But I have the great opportunity of bringing today's message. Pastor Jim and Dina were on vacation and then heading to a conference. So I think they're watching now. So hey. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, the, the nine, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, I was really excited and still am about this series, and I, I've said it before up here, but, you know, I, coming from a cessationist background where I didn't believe that the whole, gifts of the Holy Spirit were for today, you know, I, and, and now operating in them, <laughs> it's just different, but I, I really believe that this movement, what God is doing through the Pentecostal church with the charismatic movement is the thing that's going to bring so many people to Jesus. I just, operating in those giftings, producing the fruit of the Spirit, having, having that in our lives, because Christianity isn't just a moral argument. God will help you be a good person. And the world says, I'm already good. Why do I need your God? But when power rooted in love flows from us. When, when we pray for people for healing and they get healed, that's not a moral argument. When, when somebody is struggling with something and we say, hey, God said to me that you, and we say that thing that nobody else knows, that's not a moral argument anymore. And moral arguments are great. We should be good people. You shouldn't be a jerk. Right? Like, that should be, like, ground, foundational Christianity. Don't be a jerk. I'm sure it's somewhere in the Bible. But it's, it's amazing to me, having been on both sides, how, how much the flowing of the Spirit in us and through us just makes all the sense in the world. So this morning... You know, Pastor Jim's been using the golf stuff, and, and I'll kind of talk about that. But um, I want to jump right into it. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 5. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Uh, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. Bad day. And great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up, covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, why is it that you have agreed together to put the Lord to, put the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. 
And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. Doesn't this sound like an Old Testament story? It sounds like one of those moments where, you know, somebody comes and they do something wrong before God and God strikes them dead. Sounds like that. But this isn't Old Testament. This is New Testament. This is after Jesus came. This is after Jesus died. This is after Jesus rose again. And this is after the Holy Spirit was given to us. And and we look at this and we say, man, like, this is kind of crazy. This is kind of nuts. I can't believe that something like this would happen in the type of belief system that you and I even possess today. And I, I think about a story like this, and, you know, uh, we've been talking about golf and using that ana- analogy. I'm, I'm not good at golf. Why? Because of this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I, I realized that I went golfing for the first time and I shot a 63 on the front nine. And I decided that, you know, I'm competitive enough to understand that that's not, that this isn't gonna be good for me because I spent much of the day like that. <laughs> and I, like, I, like when, you're, when you find yourself yelling at an object that is not alive, it probably means that you've reached some type of threshold, you know? And I I wish, like I'm not exaggerating, I really wish that I could say that that wasn't the case, but it was was pretty bad. And so what I've done in this life is I've kind of relegated, so I I don't do any of the in-between stuff. It's like driving range, putt-putt, that's it. Okay, like because the in-between stuff is the super frustrating stuff for me. But so this is, uh, we, a couple of us went to a bachelor party and, and we did the driving range. That's me, yeah. And <laughs> what I found is that I can hit the ball 300 yards that way. <laughs> and that's not good. Because if you hit the ball 300 yards that way towards the hole, that's good. You know, like that's a great thing. But I, you know, I used to play baseball, so you kind of, everything just feels, it feels weird when you're, and then I swing, and it's like, oh, I should be looking over there, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And as I've been thinking about this, the thing that kind of hits me is power is good, But without the fundamentals and foundation, power doesn't really matter that much. You know? Power doesn't, power is a great thing when the foundations are set well. And the question, one of the things that I want to bring out with this is, you know, the power of God in the life of the Christian will, will never have the impact it should without the character of God. And how many of us can sit in here, and we've heard the horror stories. I mean, they they come at us so hard with people who have this power, and they have this influence, and they use this stage, not this particular one, but this stage in front of people in a church, and their character sucks. 
The character is terrible. And, and, and the power, you, you wonder at that point, like, what, what was it all for? Does that mean that this wasn't true? Does that mean that this wasn't? And it's so important for the believer to not just embrace the power of God, but embrace the character of God. And that's what we see in this story. That's what we see in this testimony of these people who, and I'll go back a little bit. So Acts chapter 4 towards the end, and the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed anything belonging to him who was his own. But all things were common property to them. And, when, and with great power, listen to that, with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. An abundance of grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land of, or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any would have need. So it was this beautiful time of just prosperity was flowing, and community was happening, and power was going out. People were coming to know Jesus. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, a little background for you, and who and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So that's the background of this. This incredible stuff was happening and incredible power was going out and incredible sense of community and people were selling their excess so that people that didn't have enough could have enough. And we see this beautiful picture of the church being church and then Ananias and Sapphira come on the scene. And, and they see this stuff that's happening. And what they see was that God has a desire to move through the simple acts of kindness and through the great, the great display of power. God has a desire to do both. And I have those things in quotes because sometimes a simple act of kindness is a great display of power. Sometimes they're completely interchangeable. And we're so attracted to this great display. We're so attracted to this incredible impact that the little tiny things, the little bits of kindness, not being a jerk, remember? Sometimes, man, that's so impactful to people. And God moves through it so much. You know, there are times that I sit back uh, by the guest room door over there and I get to help people, you know, come in and find a seat and whatnot. And it's cool because the amount of people, and it's not a ton, but it's enough, that walk in and, you know, maybe they're down a little. And they get to see a smiling face. You know, greeters at the door. How many of you, like, the greeters at the door have just made you smile every once in a while, you know? Like, that's cool, you know? We're just a simple act of kindness, a simple smile, a handshake, and a how you doing. You know, this is great. These screens, these are super cool. I'm like struggling here, aren't I? Sorry. These screens are awesome. And they, they'll, they're great attractions. 
But what gets you to stay here are the people that love you, are the people that will show kindness to you, the people that will disciple you and show you what it means to look like Jesus. And that, those simple little acts, those simple little things are also great displays of power. And that's what was happening in, this, in these moments. It wasn't just this great, like, people being healed, and that's wonderful. It was also, hey, I, I noticed you can't pay the electric bill this month. Here you go. I sold this to do that. And that's what we see happening here. And it was awesome. And then Ananias and Sapphira, they come in, and they, maybe they want to be a part of that. They see, like, Joseph, where we're going back to it, Joseph, he, he brings all he owns and he lays it at the disciples' feet. The Bible mentions him by name. And they go, man, it was so cool to see people, you know, love them. And it was so cool to see somebody just acknowledge him as great. I think we're going to do that too. And there's three observations that I want to make through this passage of Scripture that I want to bring to you guys this morning. And the first one being that Ananias and Sapphira didn't have to do this. They didn't have to do this. And, and going through that passage of Scripture there, the questions, and I'll get into this later, but the questions that Peter asks him are questions of like, I don't under, why are you doing this? They, they sold this land, and they, they kept back some of the... Who said they had to sell anything? Nobody said they had to be a part of this movement. Nobody said that they had to do this. And yet they were purposefully deceptive to be a part of something to receive praise for themselves. But nobody said they had to. Nobody said they had to do this. And the questions that Peter asks him there, questions of like, why did you sell this? Was this not under your control? Like, you, you had this the whole time. What, why, why are you doing this? They were questions that said, Ananias, this is, this is just an unnecessary deception. And how often do we do that? How often do we step into a room like this and we see people raising their hands, and we say, man, these people are holy. Huh. And we, we feign being a part of, of movement of God. Maybe you don't feel anything. Maybe there are testimonies that people make up, or we embellish just a little bit to make ourselves look holy. We're not really that. And instead of presenting ourselves as, as these people, the real type of people before the Lord and before each other, we're afraid. We're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to show ourselves as who we actually are in front of these people because what if, because what if. But how do we expect to, to move to this place of holiness and to this place of greatness if we're not honest with the people around us and even with the Lord? Ooh, it's quiet. <laughs> and that's what these people did. They feigned giving glory to God. They feigned being part of a movement of God in order to get glory themselves. And 
I think the temptation with this is to look at this and say, man, like there, there are some really evil, backhanded things that people can do to do that kind of stuff. But sometimes it's just little changes to the story of our testimony, little shifts here and there, little this, little that, to fit in to here instead of just allowing God to move from where we actually are. Allowing community to accept us for who we actually are and what we've actually done. Confess our sins one to another and be forever condemned. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Confess our sins before each other and be horribly made fun of. Nope, it's not what it says. Confess our sins before each other and be healed. And be healed. And it's one thing for each other. It's another thing just before God. I mean, how many of us try to hide things from God? And God's like, <laughs> you know? You ever thought about like Adam and Eve? We're going to hide from God. And it's like, he's God, homie. Like, where were you expecting to go? <laughs> you know? It's crazy. Observation two. If Peter gave Sapphira a chance to come clean, the Holy Spirit had been giving that same chance. Had totally been giving that same chance. So there, there's this time, you know, in this passage of Scripture here, there's a lot of kind of, it seems like random stuff, but I want you to understand that the time that happens between here and between here, between Ananias dying and Sapphira coming before Peter, was opportunities for the Holy Spirit to be reaching into her heart, the same as happens to you and I. Uh, uh, how many of I'm not going to ask to raise your hand, but how many of us have gone in to something understanding that we were going to be purposeful in a deception? That we were going to do something that was not becoming of a follower of Christ. And we understood that and we knew that and we were gonna do it anyway. And how often the Holy Spirit can come to us and say, this is not right. This is not what you ought to be doing. And all of these things here, these, these seemingly random parts of these couple of verses was all time for the Holy Spirit to reach in and have a reaction. And it's our choice whether or not that happens. And I just want to paint this picture. So there's this shock and awe amongst people. Like there's great fear at what they just saw. What they saw was a man come before Peter. Peter say, you lied, and that man dropped dead. We'd all be dead in this room. And so everybody that didn't die was like, what just happened? I can't lie. I can't, I can't lie. So then three hours pass, and then all, all, all of this time, like, do you think when Sapphira walked in, everybody was like happy and joy and, no, when she walked in, I'm sure there were eyes on her. And she's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Comes before Peter, and Peter asks the price. Are you sure that's what it was? She goes, absolutely. She falls down and dies. 
See, we can be so set in our deception, so set in the wrong mindset that what's a lie we embrace is truth. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, if we don't open up that word and hit our knees and understand what the truth of God is, we can embrace the lies so strongly that when given an opportunity to tell the truth and be the truth and allow the truth to impact our hearts, we say, no, I'm not gonna do that. God is serious about his holiness and ours. Serious, he is serious about it. And this, this back end of this here, when Peter says, he says, why, why have you guys agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Why have you done this? This doesn't make any sense. And I think the temptation is in that portion right there. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out as well. And the temptation is to read it like the feet of those who carried out your, and they're gonna carry you out as well. And I almost wonder if it was the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door and they're gonna carry you as well. Not judgment and boldness and ma, but why? When given the opportunity, why would you do this? God wasn't happy about this. Peter's not happy about this. And so often we see those people out there that are like, ah, you fell in sin and nah, you. Please don't be one of those people. But it was, God's holy. God has a standard. And it's so great that people want to be a part of this power and they want to be a part of this movement and they want to be a part of God. But there's a level, there's a foundation that you and I have to embrace. And I almost wonder at times if, if we've embraced almost exclusively a narrative of grace and completely ignored the narrative of holiness that, possess, that God possesses. And God is graceful. God loves you. God, God cares so much about you. And God overlooks things because of the death of his son. When you and I confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, all of the things that we've done, the sin that we've lived and the sin that we embrace, God paid for that. The penalty is no more. I mean, if that's not grace, I, oh. I don't know what is, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But we can't embrace that alone and not understand that God is also holy. And I think those narratives, the Old Testament is such a, the narrative of it is God's holiness and his standard. And the New Testament is God's grace and God's love. But there are reminders in each one of those that shows that God did not change. He is not a different God from Old Testament to New. He showed grace, mercy, and love and has a standard here, and he showed grace, mercy, and love and has a standard here. 
He does not change. But he's not playing around with the fact that he desires not just power to flow from us so that other people will be impacted, but character to not be a jerk. Stand to your feet. God loves you immensely. But the God of Adam, Adam who was kicked out of the garden because he sinned once. Of Abraham who, good Lord, I mean, we, we look at Abraham as like this incredible guy, and he was, but he did something. Nah, man, she's my sister. <laughs> no, that's not my wife. She's my sister. And then this craziness comes upon Pharaoh and his household, and Pharaoh's like, why did you say that? You know, like hair, like all off to the side, like drool falling down, like, why would you tell this lie? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Moses who didn't get to enter the promised land because he didn't obey God with how to interact with a rock. David, who stood on a rooftop and did something with a woman he shouldn't have done. The prophets who were asked to do some of the most nutball stuff on the planet. Peter, who was crucified upside down. Paul, who God literally said to a prophet that talked to him, I will show this man how much he will suffer for my name. The same God of all of those people is the same God that exists today and the same God that still bids you and I to be holy as he is holy. And we can't simply focus. He loves you. He loves you incredibly. But he loves you and us loving him enough that we listen to what he says, that we do what he wants us to do. And if the power that flows out of us doesn't line up with the character that he's put in us, we will never be as effective as we were meant to be. And I understand that all of this is with the thought that you care about being effective, that you care about being impactful to the people around you, that you care about sharing Jesus with people who don't know him, and that you care about discipling other believers and bringing them up to a level where they look like Jesus. You and I have to care about all of that for any of this to make sense. And if you're just trying, I mean, I'm just trying to survive in this life. I'm just trying to live this life. I'm just trying to like be happy. I'm just trying to like, you know, adult and people. <laughs> That's not through Christ what you were recreated to do. That's not what you were redesigned to be. You were redesigned to thrive and you were redesigned to go into that world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And so we have to care about being impactful if this is going to make sense. We have to care 
about being impactful to people that know Jesus and that don't, if you want that power to flow out of you, if you want that character in you, altar team, you can come to the front. I don't really have like a, I don't know, what to pray for to end this other than to say, you know, if character and power don't line up, our walk doesn't make sense. It can't make sense. And I know with society today, there's this, you know, society creates its own morality, but you and I are under a different kingdom. We're under a different kingdom. And I'm sure it makes people mad. I'm sure it will. And there are things in the Bible that it would be a lot easier if it didn't say, but it does say it. But we love God. And loving God, the way that God loves people, is the best way that people are meant to be loved. Not the way that makes the most sense to us. Power of God, character of God, have to line up in the life of the believer to be impactful. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it holds truths for us that are really easy to accept and truths for us that aren't, that may not jive with what we feel or what we want to do, but man, I, I thank you for both of them. I thank you that you're a God who cares so, so much about us, who loves us so much to the point where you know what's best for us. And I pray in the name of Jesus that even I myself would understand that even the things that don't feel good, that are embarrassing, that takes a level of vulnerability that doesn't match what I'm feeling, that I would understand that because you know best, you, you have what's best in mind. I pray for that for everybody else in here too. I pray for great power to flow through these people, for the embracing of the gifts of the Spirit that you've given to each one of them. The fruit of the Spirit would flow from their lives, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control would just flow from these people. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they'd have the character, that we'd all have the character to sustain the impact that you want to have through us in the lives of people that know you and that don't. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you need prayer, come forward. If you don't, go out and enjoy each other. There's some awesome swag out there. I guess not swag because we don't all get it because you have to pay for it. But some great t-shirts and stuff like that that's out there for sale. Have a great morning. Enjoy each other. Peace.